No, yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Like the way how the technology has been improved, right? Like uh, those type of things that you can avoid commutes uh, in terms of uh, printing or whatever, right? This is so uh, neat right now that uh, we can do everything or the majority of the stuff in in digital. So that's uh, that's pretty convenient. That, that's for sure. So so now, how can you describe your practice in your own words? in terms of uh, like your philosophy, in terms of how you do projects? So um, a, a lot of the projects I do the design work, um, the vast majority of it, of the projects. So start out with design from the inside out and work on, on buildings um, based on, on the inhabitants' needs and um, their imaginings of what um, a building should feel like. And then work um, work that into a plan that's um, based based on budget and aesthetics. Share images. We've done this. I've done this for decades and decades. So once upon a time it was magazines. Now it's pretty easy to find things online. But we had reams and reams and reams of cutouts from magazines once upon a time, so that we could um, really get an idea of what um, um, my client's aesthetic is all about. In commercial buildings, it's not nearly as um, as I guess touchy feely as that. It's more about function. But I really work a really hard on function. Really work on on uh, making sure that the decisions for a really um, big project, because houses, especially custom homes, are really expensive, and it's um, and it seems crazy to invest a lot of money into a building that uh, you won't absolutely love and enjoy for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So, so that is um, how I start um, on the projects, always with an eye to how we are orienting the building um, um, in terms of, of the site, um, looking at where the sun is and where the shading is and, and uh, the proximity of, of views and looking at how windows are integrated into all of that and, and entrances uh, protected from the elements and all of those things that go along with uh, building planning. I like to take a lot of time with planning and um, make and challenge my clients just um, making sure that they don't have preconceived ideas that won't float later on so that they're not um, um, just going with a certain style mm-hmm. um, and that this is a real reflection of themselves. Yeah, and it's pretty easy fall in... Um assumptions right or or anticipating things that uh, that are going to be wrong if you didn't catch the the proper idea from the client and it's pretty disappointing when you are kind of just not hitting the nail at the end of the day right so it's pretty important to kind of just try to bring to the client hey this is what we are targeting for so uh it's pretty it's pretty important that you don't have like false expectations about what's gonna, what's going to be your the end result and taking the time to kind of plan and taking the time to uh, make the client to understand what's going to be the final product I think that that's uh, the, the prime key right it is it is I, I really like the client to lead the way um, as much as possible and I you know just assisting them to lead the way and that and and um, so that they feel like they have control. Um, you know, there's a lot of hard decisions to make. Um, mm-hmm. When you begin the design process, then um, 
it's fun because you don't have to make any decisions because everything's possible. But somewhere along the line, the budget comes into play. So you got to, we've got to pull the reins in. But um, through that kind of process, you can often include something that uh, you never imagined that you would include or that would even be a possibility um, because it works with the rest of, of the plan. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just a small thing. Um, and the small thing, what, what I mean by that can be a window seat or, or a special window that's uh, with a special view that, that just make a building feel um, very custom and, and, and special to the people who are living there. Right. And now trying to kind of just uh, be a little bit more on, on the side of how has been like your experience with clients that uh, uh, maybe are struggling with uh, with new ideas as being like easy or is basically the type of client that you get or or what can you share well, that <laughs> it's a, that's a very good question carlos because um because i certainly i have um I've, I've had a great variety of clients over over many years and um um, I do like to work with builders. So if we can bring a builder on board um, mm-hmm. sometime during the preliminary drawings, then, then that helps a lot. But uh, the people that, because, because there's a little bit of give and take and, and some conversation going, and there's a little less um, anxiety about, about do, trying something new, because I certainly wouldn't um, press uh, a, a contractor or anybody who's working on the project to do something they didn't um, understand. Uh, that's a really poor way of, of, of getting a good product. So, so you do have to work with uh, people to be sure that uh, the approach that you take is something that they're comfortable with as well. Right. The people that are really hard to control are your mother-in-law and your, and your sister-in-law <laughs> and, and, and the guy on the street. Because everybody's got an opinion about a build and what, what makes uh, a good building. And that's, that part is the challenge. So I can't control that. And, and and it's sometimes um, difficult to let your client know that um, that somebody that they love probably isn't right. <laughs> so so that's a challenge. That's right, and uh, and I, I think I was triggered another question that I had like uh, almost at the end of, of, of my questionnaire here because like in terms of of contracting, right? Like you touch a really good point in terms of have the contractor on early phases, right? Because again, everything is possible, but when you're dealing with the client and it's like just a, a, a closed door type of meeting, right? When you are trying to convince the client to kind of just go above and beyond and trying to kind of just make things work with him, right? And all of a sudden it's like, okay, everything's good. Everything's good in paper. Now let's build it, right? And when you kind of bring another person to the table, it's like, we're going to start all over again, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty important that. So it's something that I'm trying to kind of push on every project, but I understand that uh, sometimes it's feasible, some other times don't, and you have to work with what you have on at the hand, right? So it's That's true. One of, if, if, if projects are going out to bid, for instance, and um, if, if, that's, if that's the process that you're using, then then um, your details and, and the way that you approach a project would be completely different than, than a project where you're working with the builder from the outset and coming up with details that, that work. So it, what ends up happening when you're putting things out to bid is that you're, um, uh, you may end up doing a lot of re 
drawing for details or and um, something that that I can't stress enough about building better is that the building has to be thought of as uh, everything as as a whole. So changing one thing changes a lot of things, and that that is something that is not necessarily well understood in the construction industry silos and they work within uh, the parts that they work in that is both in planning um, in prof- with professionals and with people on um, that work on site so a mechanical engineer may not feel like his um, part of the project has anything to do with the building envelope when that is actually not true at all um, there's there's a, um, a pretty intimate dance going on between those two or uh, mechanical um, installers don't believe that they have anything to do with the building envelope and or the electrical and or or um, um, some of the finishes, for instance. And, and when everybody's working together as a team from the top to the bottom and, and right from the beginning, that's the ideal situation. Not always easy to do, but that is the ideal situation. Yeah, at some point you have to have uh, a goal, right, or, or a target, right, and and basically that is the the right. the, be, the best case scenario, right, when everybody understands that everybody is, is is playing a pretty important uh, part of of the game, and when yep. you can just have everybody on that mindset, or oh, everything just just goes pretty well, right? So. <laughs> It's true. Yes, it can go very well. It, and and when people when the door is open for conversation, uh, people don't feel um, uh, that they can't ask questions because there's always questions, and everybody doesn't know everything, and you can't feel like you you are the professional about everything or that you understand absolutely everything. And and being feeling free to ask questions is super important in getting a building right. That's that's right. That's right. And and maybe trying to kind of just get uh, a little bit more deeper on this conversation maybe we can start talking about i don't know if i can call uh this project as as your signature project right which is the echo heaven house which the greenhouse. Uh, a greenhouse that's right so uh i don't know i don't know if you can call it like signature project or maybe you have like some others i don't know uh that particular project did get a lot of press so um um in in various ways it was um It was um, up for a fine home building um, um, house at one point, um, and and it did get um, we did get some certifications from the Living Building Challenge, uh, Living Futures um, organization in terms of of net zero, um, and it was also built with, uh, through a program, or it was not so much a program as much as an initiative from CMHC called the Equilibrium. And so there were some goals set in place and um, it was advertised widely and and still has a lot of follow with CMHC as well as, as one of the 12 projects that were um, demonstration projects that were built across Canada through CMHC um, between 2008 and 2012. Correct. No, that's that's pretty nice. And, and looking at the at your website and trying to kind of just browse, browse in on, on the actual project. It has a, a pretty cool, interesting features actually, right? So you can tell like, even though this is uh, a project that uh, reach uh, this certification as zero energy certified project, it has a lot of uh, passive house um, principles in it, right? So can you share 
a little bit more about that? It absolutely does. So um, it is net zero. And, and you know, Carlos, that there's two ways to get to net zero. So one of them is um, you can be at net zero and be very comfortable in your building, or you can be at net zero and be very uncomfortable in your building. <laughs> so uh, with the latter, what happens is that you don't think very much about the building envelope and just stick a bunch of PVs on the building or, or other renewables. Um, and in case others don't know what renewables are, that would be uh, solar thermal uh, panels. Um, and in the case of houses, you might use a drain water uh, heat recovery and um, but but the most common thing to use and the least expensive and the easiest to um, install and maintain are, are photovoltaics. So um, um, the idea that you can build a building that is net zero ready means that the building is built to the best of the budget probably or the best of, that you can uh, so that the building is airtight. That's that's not a budget breaker. All buildings should be airtight as, pos- as much as possible. But um, adding as much insulation as you can, applying the very best windows you can, and and really thinking out um, uh, orientation and and the impact of all of of the uh, building envelope and mechanical systems, then um, the house is is miserly and and not only miserly but it's comfortable um, and healthy inside, um, has excellent air quality. And um, and then you just need a few P, uh, photovoltaics or PVs um, in order to get yourself to net zero. Right, and uh, and I guess my my next question is related to the client set set of mind, right? Like in order to kind of decide to go with a product that is not pretty common, and again making the work. Uh, I, I'm I'm wondering about I don't know, like how was the the your uh, your experience. Can you share a little bit more about, uh, like, how was your process in deal with uh, these specific clients? How do you like it so far? Thank you for being with us. If you want to know about the following part, just keep in touch and follow us for the next part of this episode. And please don't forget to leave me a review on whichever platform that you're using to listen in this podcast either good or bad. Remember, Mexican have thicker skin, you will hurt my feelings, that's for sure. And better yet, if it has some good criticism, so I can learn from it and improve it, that will be even greater. I understand this hasn't been perfect, but it can be better every time. I recognize your time is valuable. I would like you to enjoy this moment with me as well. Also, if you like what you get from this audio, I will recommend you to be the first to share this info with your friends, so maybe they can get something valuable from it as well. Thanks for listening, and let's meet again soon.